out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 Show. I'm David Eastall. And as you know, we always like to play the finest in indie pop. But we always love a special guest. This week it's going to be the turn of one of the members of the band, the Dolly Mixture, because I spoke to Debsy Wicks very recently to find out more about life, love, poetry and all that other kind of groovy stuff. So this is the interview and after a bit of casual chat and uh, getting to know each other, we got down to the very exciting, yes, the part of the interview, which is possibly going to change your life. And um, I began by talking about the indie years, which is, which I put down between the years about 83 to 87, and the fact that Dolly Mixture had come way before that period, in fact, 1978, and this was Debsy's response. Debsy, it's over to you to um, save this interview. Anyway, enjoy. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess we... Because uh, we started in the uh, beginning of 78. So, um, I mean, in a way, we, sort of, we were sort of uh, a bit behind the sort of like the, the, the major sort of punk people. Yes. Um, but, uh, but, you know, sort of like hugely sort of uh, influenced by everything that was going on, you know. Yes. I mean, we'd never have started sort of... Uh, if it hadn't been the sort of punk time, you know, because we wouldn't, you know, we'd never have thought that we we could we could do it, you know. This is true. But, um, mm-hmm. So I was going to say, but yeah, I was just going to say because I'm sort of without giving too much away, but I was born in in the uh, yes the the mid '60s, so I'm now in my mid '50s. Um, yes, mm. I had to think about that. Um, and and so so you know, growing up, you know, I sort of was that generation who probably. You know, apart from vaguely remembering my mother playing, you know, like Radio 2 and people like Jimmy Young. It was kind of this sort yeah. of the, the early years of sort of the glam, the, the the sort of interesting and slightly dreadful glam period, which I loved at the time. Obviously, like Sweet and have to say Gary Glitter as well. But it was thankfully David mm. Bowie that that sort of was my first single. But did you what was your sort of ch- early childhood, you know, experiences of m- music? Because with the, most of us, it was Top of the Pops and listen to the top 20 on a Sunday evening by the radio. Oh, I, yeah, completely. Um, yeah, I know I did the same because um, I like I, I'm just sort of like I was born in 60, 1960. So, um I sort of, I suppose so I became conscious of, of pop music, sort of like the mid to late 60s. And my brother was buying, started to buy records and, and I, I bought a couple of singles, you know. And, and um, I mean, I, I just absolutely loved the monkeys. I was just um, obsessed with them. Yes. <laughs> and we used to play the monkeys, we used to play being the monkeys and, and um, you know, the, the programme was ever on, um, always watching that. And, and we... You know, I, I can remember Top of the Pops in the late '60s, and um, I can remember sort of watching, you know, All You Need Is Love. You know, the, the, them doing that sort of broadcast. Whether that was just televised on Top of the Pops, I don't know. But um, yeah, and so so when you know, so the early '70s was was obviously when I was about to go to secondary school and starting there. So um, so that that was sort of like 
then I became keen on um, David Cassidy and um, David Bowie as well. And although I found it a bit scary, <laughs> but um, so I, I, I sort of I had one picture of him on the wall, and, and sort of as opposed to twenty of David Cassidy, because I, I found him that sort of I sort of didn't want to be seen, you know. I didn't want my mum to sort of see because yes. he was so, you know, sort of different. But, uh, yeah, so was, so that, was that, it, that, um, I was going to say, was it the, because at the time, because I can remember the David Cassidy, but also the Osmonds, were you a Donny fan at all? Well, sort of uh, only a little bit. My, my friends were, uh, and, uh, you know, sort of like, often you sort of were one or the other. Yes, know? it was, they were, um, they, at the time, they were huge. Well, he was they were right. absolutely enormous, yes. <laughs> well, the, I know, the Osmonds completely, you know, sort of like... I mean, I, I bought a... I think I got got an Osmonds album for like, my 13th birthday or something, but... Because, uh, um, of course, with Dolly Mitch, we actually did an Osmonds song. Um, for uh, When we first started, we did we closed our set with, with a, a, an Osmonds song called We All Fall Down. So, um, but that was sort of lively and a bit sort of. Yes. Well, I, 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 I always remember the excitement of Crazy Horses, which probably was about 1973, mm. 74. And, it, and that, for me, you know, was almost, you know, not hard rock, but, you know, it was very dramatic. And there was a very peculiar sound on the synthesizer, which we all loved, you know, <laughs> which I can't quite remember what, what it was, but there was something quite rock and roll about it. So, um, yes, the, the Osmonds and David Cassidy were, were kind of huge <laughs> at the time. And I suppose, yes, the Monkees, I can remember that. And, but there was so little on telly because there was also, um, I remember sort of the Cliff Richard film, Summer Holiday, and being very kind of excited by that. And, you know, and then the Beatles films again, that, that you know, but they, there weren't a lot of things on. And when they were, you had to clear your diary and when you're 12 that wasn't too difficult and watch them because you weren't going to be able to rec- you weren't going to be able to record and watch it again on repeat were you that was it for five yeah. years so we had to sort of engross ourselves we could be sort of sitting there texting friends and not being focused you had to sort of a hundred percent on it you know and so um yes it was oh i know yeah no no totally it was like everything was a, a massive experience wasn't it very definitely so when did you when did you you know as the 70s trucked on and you obviously we well, mm. well i was a bit too young for the um the sex pistols but i you know i'd heard of you know i heard the name and it, and this kind of great outcry and then around the same time i think elvis presley died and that was all sort of a bit dramatic but it but sort of i suppose it was more the late 70s when i started to sort of almost feel a little bit more like listen to music that was happening rather than music that had been that that wasn't completely true because obviously i was listening to the top 20 so that theory doesn't mm. work either but when did you sort of pick up you know an instrument and think actually i want to do this um i i first I think I first tried to play um, like an acoustic guitar, sort of, probably sort of like nineteen, sort of mid seventies, because I, I had this sort of, uh, I sort of started to become a bit obsessed with Led Zeppelin uh, for for a while, which apparently a lot of fourteen year olds do, little fourteen year old girls do. I don't know. I've, I've sort of since discussed this with other people of a, a similar age. Um, but uh, I just had this, uh, and I and I just thought I'd love, you know, I just want to be a, a sort of guitarist, you know, I just want to be a rock guitarist. But honestly, I just I, cu- I just couldn't play at all. And and somebody taught me sort of a, a tiny bit of sort of uh, twelve bar sort of 
trying to do some blues sort of stuff, and it was just there was no you know I just didn't find any connection with 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 what I listened to and what what I could play you know yeah so um but then probably I mean it can only have been basically when we decided to do our own group that um we all started to to learn really so we actually couldn't play anything when we started right um, yeah, and so, then, so with the three of you, did you all just have the same sort of dream? Think I want to be in a band. One major problem: we we don't we don't actually have any instrument. We can't play anything. <laughs> yeah, sort of, because um, I with uh, I was at school with Hester the drummer, and we we'd um, decided uh, everyone started to be in bands and everything, and and, and sort of like. There was uh, going to be a school concert, and we we met this girl, and she said she was going to um, she was on her way to rehearsal, and she was like the lead singer of this group, and um, we just said, oh, can, can we do backing vocals? And, and we sort of asked her to ask, or nagged her to ask, and and uh, they said yes, and and then and then the gig was disastrous, and we just thought, well, let's just do this ourselves, you know, sort of it was just sort of like let's be a a girl band band sort of like pop group like a sort of like a boy pop group sort of thing because i didn't really know any girl bands and i wasn't conscious of other ones no. and um it was just it's just the idea that you sort of have guitar bass and drums or, or and a singer or something so um sort of which is like a classic beat group i suppose or pop group and um and so uh, yes, so so I thought. Well, my friend who lives in the same road as me, um, her brother's in a group, and uh, and I'm sure she'd love to be in one. So that was Rachel, and uh, and Rachel sort of immediately said yes, and she actually set up our first rehearsal. Yes. Um, so uh, it, I mean, you know, it was it was sort of it was just on the airwaves you know, for for everybody really. Yeah. I think. But, uh, but, um, um, and did you, yeah. I mean, when you were sort of getting those, you know, sort of the early days together, I mean, I was sort of thinking of those kind of classic bands. I suppose it was actually the main person that I can remember being on top of the pops in that way was Susie Quattro, wasn't it? Because she, she was kind of the front <coughs> of, of a band and she did some incredible songs, which we loved. And I think about 78, Debbie Harry appeared with Knee to Knee. Denise, yeah, um, and that that was kind mm. of another moment. But before that, you're right. There, there probably hasn't hadn't been a lot apart from, yeah, the more disco sound. And then you had the classic three person lineup, which was, I suppose, I was just thinking when you were saying that the, the Jimi Hendrix experience. So I suppose that that keeps it quite straightforward before before people branched out and got a, the keyboards, which John Peel would have hated, <laughs> wouldn't he? The keyboards. He never played bands with keyboards. <laughs> so um, yes. So then, so did you all just think? Oh, what am I going to play? Did you did the bass come to you because of your acoustic guitar playing days? Well, no, I was I was obviously going to be a guitarist again, but um, I still I, when when I got my hands on an electric guitar, I just like I was st- I was still finding it really difficult to play and really painful. So um, Rachel uh, sort of could play a tiny bit, so she just she just sort of took over on guitar. And I took over on bass, and it was much more my thing, you know. And um, I told Hester that she <laughs> had to play. She said, I can't play anything. My hands are too small. So I just said, oh, will you play the drums? So um, so she did. And, 
So, so it sort of worked out quite simply. And we had a singer at the beginning who was the singer of the band that we'd done backing vocals with. And, uh, but she sort of dropped out. She was, um, she was always sort of flake, fl- sort of flaky and, uh, wandering off or, or ill or, or something, you know, sort of. <laughs> and, and, and so we, so for our first gig, we had to sort of pull our, our friend, um, in from school. Um, and he, so he did he did the lead singing singing for the first gig and then by the time we had our second gig a few weeks later um he'd sort of decided to have a sort of some sort of nervous breakdown or, or sort of go on a retreat so he he sort of pissed off to the country somewhere i don't know i don't know what happened to him so we just had to carry on as a three piece and then and so that's how it sort of established itself really because none of us thought we could sing yes. um we just we just we just sort of had to take it on you know which is really. quite amazing because because been doing this show for nearly three years or even more um you know most bands mm. have a kind of a five-year narrative especially the 80s bands the indie bands um you know they get together they spend about 12 to 18 months faffing about and a lot of the time you know during that early period you know most people seem to be not most but a lot of people are unemployed because there was just a lot of unemployment and it wasn't sort of a taboo mm. thing it was almost like oh yes you do you do the unemployment thing for three a couple of years because it's quite good fun mm. and you get a bit of money housing benefit and council tax and there was also the enterprise allowance and all those kind mm. of schemes that people could go on so you could be self-employed and then sort of if if one made a quirky enough sound John Peel would play it and it's like like, da-da, John Peel, and then a John, <laughs> and then a John Peel session, which was da-da-da, and then that first album, things were going good. Second album, mm, not so good. So, but you, you sort of, you, you went quite quickly because a lot of people do struggle during that period to sort of create something that's going to be heard beyond their normal friends, family, and anybody else they can emotionally blackmail to see them. But trying to break out of that little kind of community and, and group, which I think a lot of bands have a problem now because there isn't those kind of gatekeepers like John Peel and the NME they they end up just listening being played on the radio Suffolk or radio Cambridge or radio Norwich and the only people who are going to play it uh, listen to it are going to be the family of the band and the band themselves but you you sort of went from that you know quite sort of humble beginnings to suddenly supporting the undertones and then and some major major bands which was was quite an incredible kind of um rocket it was you you shot up quite quickly didn't you well, I think it. I mean, it it, it did sort of, it did sort of happen, and then we. Um, I think I think um, it was John Peel that sort of did it for us, really, because um, he. I mean, we were really, really fortunate because um, we had a session even before we, you know, we had any sort of record out, really. Um, and it was getting a record out that was the problem, you know, sort of like as far as people hearing about us or, or hearing us. Um, or seeing us play, that, that that wasn't a problem, and being able to play wasn't a problem. But uh, we did have a lot of trouble getting a, a deal and stuff. But um, no, he, I mean, he was just travelling through Cambridge because um, he lived in East Anglia, and um, I don't know. We we knew we knew this band, the Users, and, and we sort of in Cambridge and and hung about with them. And one of them was a real sort of hustler, and uh, he must have um, I don't know. He's probably sort of always trying to be in touch with John Peel or something. But anyway, John Peel came for tea and we, we sort of met and then and then he he um was just 
I think he must have read about us in a fanzine or something and was interested in bands in East Anglia, basically, and, and uh, invited us to play on his, his road show where, where he'd go to sort of the university yes. or something and play or, or some club and, and he'd DJ and there'd be a couple of bands on. So so we did that two or three times and um, and then and then we got the session um and and then and then that was it really because his, his producer didn't like us but uh that that so that was how sort of people got to hear us around the country and th- and in the music press and stuff yeah so it it did all seem to be going really well and then and then we sort of got um we sort of got received really well and and everyone wanted us to support them and then and then i think there was a bit of a backlash and then I got ill and um, had to take a, a few months off and, and, uh, and then, and then I think it was after that we met the undertones and, and uh, so we still had a, a bit, a bit of a, a sort of, we still had a bit of a, a, a sort of lucky charm, yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, to be able to do that. And then we met the, the jam and, and, and stuff like that. So, so and so it went on, yeah, yes. yeah, and then and then nothing really ended up changing after that, you know, always the, like the, the the support band sort of thing. Yeah. Yes, that's so true. And was it because um, because you were still quite young? So when you because you had a single that you did a cover of the Shirelles' "Baby It's You," which yeah. was produced by Eric from from the Bay City Rollers, I do believe. Yeah. So was that quite because because at that stage I mean there hadn't been that many years since the rollers had sort of split up though when you're young it seems like you know decades isn't it but actually it was like oh actually it was only a few years ago before you know when he when he was being screamed at and uh, being mobbed on the streets and uh, so what was that was that quite interesting meeting a kind of a pop legend from the seventies? It was really interesting and also because uh, I had sort of had a, a few months as a, a Rollers fan as well before I got into Led Zeppelin. So it's sort of like, but he wasn't my, my favourite Roller. But um, but it was it was extraordinary. I mean, no, you're right. I mean, it was only a handful of years. But um, the, just the world had completely changed. And, of course, we'd sort of gone from sort of, I don't know, age 14 to 19, you know, which is a tremendous journey and I guess he'd you know he'd been through I don't know probably <laughs> bankruptcy or God knows what but I mean anyway he he w- wasn't bankrupt when we met him because he, maybe he never was but he lived in a um, a penthouse flat just off the King's Road and uh, I don't know why he was chosen or chose to produce us because um, he just turned up at a gig and just sort of went, I love it, I love it, sort of thing. And uh, <laughs> I think he just, I think he just sort of, he loved the Beatles, he loved sort of 60s girl groups and all that sort of thing, you know. So, um, and he he was amazing. He, we we went and stayed at his flat and he rehearsed us. Um, I think it might even have been his idea to do that song. Um, and it was accepted by um, Chrysalis, the record company, um, as 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 the song for our single, and we and we sort of uh, fought for to have a, a double A side, so we could do one of our own as well. But um, he was he was wonderful. Um, he he sort of he just took us through the song over and over again, and 
simplified the drums and, you know, sort of rearranged bits and pieces and just um, prepared us for going into the studio. And then and then his his car would arrive in the morning and <laughs> we'd get whisked off to um, to some, uh, like the Roundhouse Studios or whatever or somewhere else. Yes. Um, and we and we did. It. I mean, it's only two or three days to record, but um, an A and a, you know the double A side. But uh, um, yeah, he was great. He was really friendly and 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 quite funny. And yeah, a, a good guy. A good guy. Yes, I know. because <laughs> yeah. manoeuvring that. Because I, I, I oh, actually I just thinking because I've I'm always seemed to play at least one song a week by Kate Bush, and often sort of realise looking back at that period the golden decade um, of how sleazy it all was and sort of like, God, the stuff that must have gone on. That's been reported and that just probably is the tip of the iceberg. And, you know, how people mm. didn't, didn't get destroyed, especially women in entertainment or broadcasting or, you know, trying to mm. sort of manoeuvre the world of the of Radio 1 must have been quite a sort of horrendous place, the corridors of Radio 1 for a, a woman walking down there on her own. You know what I mean? It wasn't, you know, it mm. probably was a little bit, you know, so... Yes. So did you, I mean, de dealing with the world then, which was only 40 years ago, if I'm doing my maths right, <laughs> did, um, I know, I'm having to use my fingers with that now, aren't I? Um, but it was, yes, it was 40. Yes, I mean, did you sort of have to struggle? Did you feel at times, you know, this was quite hard work because of sort of your your um, gender? I think... Um... It's, it's it's always hard to know what 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 can be attributed to what really because I think part of our problem was was um, it wasn't just because we were female it was also sort of like the way we we looked because um, we didn't sort of we didn't sort of dress regularly we didn't sort of like um, we didn't sort of wear sort of rock sort of rock and roll clothes or or we weren't sort of overtly just sort of sexy or you know we, it wasn't um i mean people thought that we dressed as little girls because you know some people thought we dressed like little girls to sort of attract men and stuff but it was just sort of that was completely sort of way off the mark really it was it was much more a sort of like 60s early 70s sort of style thing you yes. know um uh, but uh it was it was it was difficult and i and i, and I think most of the people we met in bands were absolutely great. You know, they they just sort of took you on your own terms. They might have thought we were a bit odd, and sometimes we'd sort of like start laughing. And they, you know, nobody like nobody likes um, people sort of laughing in the corner. But that's that's just sort of nerves, really, I suppose. And so we'd get overexcited and stuff like that. But. Um, People, I think, I think in in the sort of like Radio One and places like that, or sort of on top of the pops, um, they were definitely more sort of dinosaur-like, and in record companies as well, because they they were just all sort of left over from another era. Yes. All these men, really, <laughs> and um, and they were just ah, oh, they 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 looked so square, and and. And, and even sort of some, I mean, somebody like Mike Reed thought he was groovy, you know, but he was still <laughs> total square. He just thought it's sort of like he was in with Captain Sensible, you know, you know, because they're both like cricket or something. So he thought he was sort of well in there. So it was, it was only sort of by the time we did Top of the Pops with with Captain, 
um, it was only sort of John Peel who uh, um, seemed like a normal person, really, amongst that lot. I mean, Kid Jensen, um, do you remember him? Yes. Uh, he, um, I mean, he he was a big fan of ours. He really sort of latched on to us and was really brilliant to us. Um, he, I mean, he looked looked like from another era, but he was still, you know, he actually he was actually listening properly to sort of current stuff. Yes. But um, I think we I think we tended to to ignore people who were mean to us, you know, um, and just sort of. Just keep you just you just keep going and and you just sort of hold on to the people who do like you and who are who are nice to you and and things like that really you just have to sort of ignore people yeah well it's quite interesting because because I'm one of those people who just love well it doesn't seem to happen so much now but BBC mm. Four on a Friday night they often have a rock documentary or they they have a sort of a special on top of the pops and the other week I recorded the punk one thinking it'd be interesting. And it was really depressing because actually what I noticed was that actually it was really blokey and most of the blokes yeah. looked like they could have been in a, just a normal pub band playing, you know, I don't know, Johnny B. Good. You know, they didn't actually look like punks, you know, and the members of people like Sham 69 with that guy shouting the kids are united. And it all was just like, God, it's so aggressive, you know, and being, you know, at the time I missed that a bit, but then got into indie yeah. pop and indie pop was just so kind of, you know, it just was not. You know, you didn't punch the air, and <laughs> you didn't, you didn't, you didn't no. look like, a, you didn't look like a, you didn't look like <laughs> a bloke who who wanted a fight and go down the pub every night looking for some action. You know, you were a bit sort of delicate, and you know, sort of kept out of the sun, <laughs> and didn't want to sit on the cement because your mum told you, you you know, told you you'd have piles and stuff like that, <laughs> yes. and, and to avoid the geese because they'll peck your eyes out. You know, it was all very, you know. I mean, I have to say, you know, Morrissey was like, oh my god, that's that's my man. Obviously, you know, the narrative is not great. Now. But, um, you know, but seeing the top of the <laughs> yes. pops, go, go, you know, gang and the classic ones, it was like, God, it, it was quite, it wasn't just like lads. They were real blokey blokes with sort of, you know, the hair, even the hair didn't look particularly punk with a lot of the, well, the lead singer often did, but the rest of them looked like they just walked on, you know, from any, you know, rock band and were just kind of thrusting their delicate little bodies towards the camera, you know, and, and doing all that kind of stuff. So I just wondered how, how it was sort of having to navigate some of those kind of um Interesting times, which uh, yes, it, it must have been sometimes a bit trying. But you must have. I'd be, well, I, but I guess being three of you, you could sort of keep that a little bit more together. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, to have to have you, you've got your your little gang. I think that's what lo loads of people like being in bands for as well. Is you've got your own gang, you know, and it, and and um, even if if you're not, you might not be getting on on a particular day or something, you know, that you're still together against the world, you know, and I think that's, that was a very sort of potent thing back then, you know, it's, it's, it's us, and, yes. um, you know, like, we knew, we knew we, we, you know, we could rely on each other, really, to sort of, uh, sort of back the others up, really, yeah. and, and so, until we were no more. <laughs> Until because because it's um because I I would get gotten I probably still do a bit but um got very sort of like slightly weak and gibberish you know but sort of when you signed to the Paul Weller kind of label that he had set up at that time yeah I mean Paul Weller you know was almost the closest thing to some sort of god wasn't he I mean the jam you know were just yeah. like and and sort of put you know you know you know now Paul Weller's just like oh yeah that old chap who who's you know. 
as a, you know, <laughs> he's just Paul Weller, isn't he? But then, you know, it was like, my God, everything he did was like, that's number one. That's just instantly a classic song, isn't it? You know, everything he did. So was that quite, how did you na navigate that kind of one when, when you got the phone call from, you know, whether you had to go to the phone box and put some 2P bits in? So, oh, Paul Weller's mm. on the line. Uh, I just wondered how that sort of came about. Oh, that, that that was just. I, I mean, that that that's one of the most sort of nerve-wracking things possible is, is sort of meeting him. Really, I mean, uh, we had a basically a band um, pulled out of the gig, and we and we got the, the support instead, and um, we went to support them in in Leicester, um, and I, I think that our agent had. had was somebody who used to hang around the jam as well. So he he was sort of, he was somebody who just used to hang around bands. Um, uh, I don't know. It was a sort of strange person. <laughs> um, but he, he could get in anywhere, you know. Uh, um, but he used to always go on about us to 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 Paul Weller and and um, and I don't think Paul Weller was ever convinced. But uh, after he he saw us play that night, I mean, I think he was just like genuinely genuinely surprised you know um and and sort of i think i think he thought you know, you know we could um we could write songs and stuff and and i, I think because there's probably sort of if you love love the 60s and we loved the 60s and he did i guess there was stuff in common um you know he he could he could probably tell we'd sort of listened to a few records in our our time even if we were sort of a lot more amateur, amateurish than the, than the jam, but um, yeah, he was uh, he was sort of he was awkward. <laughs> we really liked him, you know, but it was it was just always a bit awkward. Um, and he wasn't sort of laddish with us. He was just he, he was sort of laddish in the sense that he couldn't really talk to us about much, um, and would talk to you know any other bunch of bunch of blokes really. But uh, he wasn't. He wasn't laddish like the other two members of the band were sort of laddish, yes. but um, but he he you know he certainly was a person apart and and he we just we we were totally starstruck, totally. <laughs> anyway, like his parents loved us, and when he started his own label, um, I think between them you know they just thought oh, oh, we'll put them out you know. Because yeah. his mum almost managed us as well. We absolutely adored her. And uh, it's a funny time. It's really peculiar thinking back on it now. Um, <laughs> yes. But uh, he was he was he was a bit like a <laughs> he was a bit like a god. And um, you know, you, you, the words sort of fail you when you sort of meet, and then you just you always say something a bit stupid, you know. It's ridiculous, really. But, yes, you know. Now it'd be fine, but then, yeah, I know. Could have because during that time, and obviously, you know, as as because I put indie pop down, and this isn't a, a completely watertight theory, but between the years of eighty three to eighty seven, which is basically the years of the Smiths, really. But before that, you mm. had that sort of like the punk period, and then you had that bit of the post punk, and you had bands like Art and and the Rain. God, I'm going to forget them. Raincoats, sorry. Um, mm. And then and then yourself and the Marine girls were coming along. And then you had sort of those other sort of, I call them scratchy bands like, you know, Magazine, Gang of Four and Peel. And, and sort of there was a little bit mm. of a grey area. And then, you, you know, there was, you know, Simple Minds and... Uh, 
I don't know, possibly <gasps> you two and Echo and the Bunny Men. And, and then suddenly I kind of felt like when the Smiths happened, it was like, right, that's that's kind of quite a definite thing. And then you have those bands like the June Brides and the Go-Between started to appear. So there was a bit of a golden period until about 87. Did you ever sort of feel aware, were you kind of aware of that kind of, that world that was kind of started to sort of happen as, as the 80s developed? It's really, I mean, like, I think people are quite surprised that, that um, I think by by 84, we were so, we got so disillusioned and, and I, I hated just about everything out there, you know. I mean, I, I just, I don't, I think by 1984, 1985, I just couldn't, I sort, I sort of liked the Smiths. I thought they were the best band that, that was around, you know what I mean? But sort of, it wasn't, I, I didn't sort of dive dive in there sort of and, and totally sort of lap it up. I, I, I sort of liked some singles and I think it was sort of like, it wasn't the lyrics that I liked, it was the sort of the um, the music, you know. Yeah. But, um, and I thought, oh God, you know, sort of that's like the best of a bad bunch, you know, really. Because <laughs> um, just, I just thought what was in the charts was just getting so dire. So I sort of missed this whole other scene that was sort of starting up. And I I stopped buying the mu- music papers sort of, I don't know, 1986, I suppose. I mean, I sort of, I would just sort of read over things that didn't make any sense to me. And I just sort of stopped, stopped reading them. And then I just sort of started, um, I don't know, I think we just sort of went a bit more esoteric. So, I don't know if that's the right word. We just started listening to sort of, more to jazz and sort of like just different things, you know, sort of going um, different 60s music and old singers and, and, you know, went on a completely different tangent, really. And um, obviously when I met St Etienne later on in, in, in the early 90s, everyone would talk about these bands, you know, sort of like my partner Paul, just he was sort of, um, I suppose what you call an indie band, um, uh, but and so he knew he knew everybody. He knew all these bands and everything. And he mentions plays the records. And who's that? And was, I just was such an ignorant ass, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> very. I don't know. I mean, I like the Marine Girls actually. I thought they were they were really good, but then they were they were out before the yes. whole sort of. Indie. I suppose indie took off, yeah. didn't it, really? So going back to 83, that famous year, mm. when you were doing your album, um, your double album, Demonstration Tapes, mm. what, when you were going and making that, was were you sort of was that with sort of happiness or were you feeling a bit like it was quite a job and, um, you, yes, the writing was on the wall? Oh, I, mean, I, I, think, I think we probably were feeling a bit writing on the wall-ish. Um, I think we'd just be felt we'd been trying so hard and and um and we're just like it's just sort of like getting nowhere you know and sort of and it just felt like things were shifting and people started saying oh no I go to clubs now you know I, I don't go to gigs anymore and I, I I don't know you just you just sort of like if you can only get one person interested in writing about you or or um you're still playing a gig you know the same size gig to the same amount of people you just sort of don't really feel that you're you're getting anywhere and um i think we were really pleased at the idea of putting all our stuff together 
um, for, for the, the demonstration tapes. But um, it was always a bit sad that we didn't make a proper album. You know, we didn't do the classic thing and take your bunch of songs into the studio and make that great record. So it was, it was sort of... It was just sort of pulling together what we what we could really. So it was it was interesting, but it wasn't sort of joyous. Yes. <laughs> and did you then sort of because it was you know the the following year you you split up? Did you have a moment where you you or you sort of turned up at the pub and say, you know what, shall we just call it a day? I don't. What what was the moment? Well, not really. Um, what we did was, um, I mean, we never actually officially split up. So, um, so we haven't, if you know what I mean. Yes. But, because um, we, we just couldn't ever bring ourselves to say that. But but um, I think we were doing, I think we were doing a gig in Brighton um, at the beginning, oh, when was it? Uh, May 84, something like that. Um, and Rachel was going out with Captain by then, um, and she turned up at the sound check and just sort of said, uh, "I'm going to have a baby," and and we <laughs> just sort of our jaws dropped. Um, and I knew I knew sort of knew she she sort of wanted to, um, but I just wasn't expecting to hear it. And uh, so we sort of said, oh, that's amazing. And then inside we're just thinking, what the hell are we going to do? Um, so we just kept going. And and it just sort of eventually, it just sort of got, you know, just sort of felt like we were, there was less and less to do. And um, she was getting less and less interested. And, and I was starting to get less and less interested in, it, in just sort of, not less interested, but less, um, I just didn't know what to do or where to turn, and then it just. Um, she, I think she eventually said, you know, what are you going to do while I, you know, while I have the baby, and then Hester and I decided to uh, start another band, and we thought, well, let's let's go from a three piece to sort of an orchestra size, you know, which which was just sort of like we just thought, oh, that that'll be really fun, you know, we'll, we'll do do something completely different and have have a sort of massive jazz band or something and travel on, on the train and just just something totally different to, to just brighten up our lives really um so yeah it just sort of petered out really yes so, that. so so your time is this with the shill shill sisters oh um no we, we um hester, hester and i started this band called coming up roses and we had um Somebody who was in the Shillelagh Sisters joined us. Right. Um, yeah, so I just sort of like nabbed people from whatever, you know, wherever I could. It was re- it was really quite hard to find sort of suitable people. Yes. But it was, it, it was a project that sort of never really, um, you know, was always sort of lurching along really. It's a, a bit of a lost time, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, and did you, um, and did sort of, because life suddenly sort of takes over a bit. Did did sort of music just get sort of put into the to the cupboard for a, for a bit, and then you know you had to sort of do other things. I just wondered what happened to you. Yes, what happens when sort of you know to um, not quite quote Jim Morrison, but you know when the music's kind of over, I suppose. 
Well, I didn't feel that for a really long time, actually, because um, we tried to k keep this other band going, and uh, we actually managed to last for about four years. And, you know, like thanks to the Enterprise Allowance Scheme and, and all these things that always managed to um, exist, really. Yes. And, uh, and uh, I had a, a council flat, and, and um, so, I, uh, so I got... You know, I, I could afford to live um, on on that sort of thing, and and then when I wasn't on that, I was on the dole, and then you switch back again <laughs> to yes. do it, and Classic. it was just sort of ju juggling it all around, and and so I was always, um, I, I think that went on till like 1990 or something, um, so I was always always sort of thinking about music and doing bands and stuff like that, um, and then I think. I think I read about yeah. Eventually, um, that stopped, and then I was thinking, oh, I should do something on my own. Um, and then I read about Bob and Pete from St Etienne, and and how they they were fans of Dolly Mixture. So I sort of got in touch with them and sort of said, uh, I used to be in Dolly Mixture, and uh, you know, if you if you ever do anything, you know, sort of that, that I could sing on or something, you know. Sort of slightly desperate sounding, it sounds. Um, and they said, "Oh well, we've we've got a singer, but because you know, they'd met Sarah by then, and and they had a singer, but um, they said if we, you know, if we do anything else, um, we'll give you a call." And that, that's when I started doing backing vocals with them, and and going on tour with them, and and then and then a whole other chapter opened up, you know. Yes. And uh, and on and on and on. <laughs> God, that's quite strong because that's when you formed Birdie, which yeah, well, yeah, Birdie was, came out of being on tour with Saint Etienne and meeting um, Paul, who um, and he was playing guitar in the in the backing band, and um, as well, uh, and and and, we, and Saint Etienne decided to take a break, and we decided. To to uh, do a band together, and then and and then we sort of get got together as partners as well, um, and and so yeah, Birdie sort of took off for a little while, really, yeah, Blimey. and then and then yeah, I know. So we did actually just go to sort of just go on and on, really, and and so then that's... once Birdie Birdie was finished, I thought I'm feeling a little little. Um, uh, disillusioned now and, and slightly older. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't, yes, I have to say, I'm really, yes, getting up to speed with your whole sort of, yes, because most people, like I said at the beginning, was, you know, the five years, and then it's like, right, that's it, we've made no mm. money, I've fallen out with the band, I'm bitter and twisted for the next 20 years, and then one day I'll listen and think, oh, that was quite good fun, but often want to walk away from it all because it feels like a, a bit of a train crash. But you you actually did sort of keep, go decades doing different things. Well, it's funny. I mean, you know, you sort of latch on to any possible hope, I think, really. And also it's just sort of what suits you, isn't it, really? I mean, it just suited me being in a band or... Um, just yeah, pl playing gigs, even even sort of in a band that wasn't that great. It was it's sort of nice, nice sort of trying, and you know. Yes, absolutely. Nice, uh, and then and so in the last twelve months, roughly, you had a, a film. I mean, which is I have I have seen it, but I'm not sure if it's on general release. So, the band. No. 
has has mm. obviously become uh, yes, quite sort of held in high esteem. Now you must it must feel like a really nice thing to sort of realise that something that you did forty years ago is being st- still sort of well loved and uh, remembered. Well, it's I mean it, it's it's absolutely wonderful. I mean I mean that's sort of like. Um, I mean, the fact that, that look, it was my my partner Paul who made it, and he just thought this is you know this story is really worth telling, sort of thing. I mean, he he was sort of like I credit completely credit him with with um, seeing sort of any worth in it, you know, and and um, and sort of persuading us <laughs> to sort of to be a bit more cheerful about it, you know, because um, when he started interviewing us, we were we were. Probably how I'm sounding today, <laughs> having just woken up. But you know, I think we were all a bit. Why do you want? Why do you want to make this film? You know, it was it was awful. It was you know, <laughs> we got no stories. It's just boring. And um, and he sort of no, it's great what you did. Blah blah blah. Um, and uh, so he he sort of he, he sort of invigorated us a bit and, and made made a like really lovely film out of it. You know, sort of. Of, of, of what he could get from us, really, and 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 also there was a lot of old footage that somebody else had had filmed for for a um, who want he he wanted to put a documentary on on telly sort of years ago, you know, sort of early eighties, and it never happened. But but um, he had all this footage, so uh, yes, well, well I... it did it, it did it did get made, but it was like a half hour sort of strange. Yes. piece but it never got shown so so he said oh you're welcome to use this footage you know well it's interesting but, uh, because um because i've been doing this uh, yeah, show for quite a few years and i realized that i am um, interviewing most people 30 years seems to be this person of time for various reasons um, you know, where people people can suddenly look back on it and go, you know, it was fine, you know, it's, but it's taken probably 20 to 25 years of sort of being in slight denial and then sort of five yeah. years of sort of remembering some of the better times and then think, oh, no, it's quite nice. I, I'll look back on it. And I did notice, and that was interesting, Paul made that film because suddenly, mm. you know, out of nowhere, you know, you had The Wedding Present had a film, George Bayes, The Slits had one, The Go-Betweens, The Chills, mm. um, L7, um, I'm sure mm. there's other. So suddenly, you know, these the a lot of these people, you know, I think there's various Australian bands like the Hard Ons have also suddenly people have con- got in touch and say, you know, I really want to do a film because you were amazing, and people have gone, really? It's like, yeah, we, you know, if you've got some footage, we can get something together, and it's like, really? Mm. You know, who's interested? Mm. It's like, well, actually, there are quite a few people now discovering your music for various reasons, as well as the fact you have got quite an amazing back catalogue, and it makes an interesting story. So. I just thought it was fantastic that that Paul had made a, a small film because again it kind of is that thing of archive and you suddenly go, actually it was brilliant, wasn't it? You know, so that's it's nice that he's done it and it looks so crisp and clean as well. So it's nice. Yeah, it's yeah. Good. I, I, he's done a he's, he's, he's done a really good job, um, and uh, and actually, um, you know, it, it it's probably taken us forty years. <laughs> to appreciate, our, you know, the sort yes. of like the effort that we, you know, put in, and and uh, you know, sort of not not to sort of look down on ourselves, you know. Yes. So that's another thing. I mean, like being going back to being female at that time from a question long ago. Um, I, I, I think like uh, 
the generation I grew up with, I think people were very, very defensive and also very down on themselves. And I think um, girls tended to, you know, sort of take it out on themselves and blokes just used to sort of put on this sort of swagger and stuff, you know, to sort of generalise a lot. Yes. So there's sort of that punk, that punk thing you were talking about is sort of like... Um, the age before, you know, the generation before you, yes. they were much, they were more macho, and and some of them were, you know, really lovely. Sort of a lot of the people we met, um, but they were still, you know, they were still sort of ah like that, and yes. much much more so than. I mean, we were quite could be very lively, but we also sort of would. Yeah, blame ourselves for things a lot and sort of be really, really hard on ourselves rather than being hard on, you know, probably could have been harder on and tougher on people outside ourselves, really, you know, yes. as well. This Mind you, true. we could be quite awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, got, we, uh, we made a few sort of enemies sort of in record companies by being very stubborn and, you know... Yes. <laughs> Did you, um, I mean, when you, when you sort of did the film game, did it sort of make the kind of connections with the three of you sort of, was that sort of, were any things that had been a bit sort of awkward or sort of a little bit kind of still, still a bit raw? Did it sort of, without sounding too new agey, but did it sort of feel a bit of a healing process doing that sort of film and seeing it? It was, it was tremendous, actually, because um, I hadn't, um, I've been I've been in touch with Rachel um, over the years, but I hadn't seen Hester because she moved to Brighton um, in sort of in the early nineties, um, and so yes, yeah, so she she'd sort of done a de art degree and um, done other jobs and and just sort of was living a sort of very separate life, and I hadn't. I think because we'd been living in each other's pockets for since we were like 13 almost, you know. So we just sort of went our separate ways when we were sort of 30. Um, and uh, so I'd been in touch with Rachel on and off for years and, uh, and she and Hester were in touch. But we got together for the first bit of filming together for this, for this film and we, we got together back at Rachel's house her parents' house in Cambridge, and um, where we'd first all met to, to rehearse. And um, it was absolutely... It was magical, actually. It was it was really, really good. Um, I just walked in, and, you know, after a few minutes, we were just sort of laughing and and um, rediscovering sort of, like, the ease that we, you know, we'd had. Yes. And uh, it was it was... Oh, yeah, I mean, it was it was lovely. And 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 we've been much closer, like again as a three, since then. Um, and we and we meet up every few months and just spend an afternoon talking about. I mean, we've done some reissues, so that, you know, sometimes there's something to talk about, and sometimes it's just merely um, just to meet. Yeah, so uh, there's you know there's there's a lot of water under that bridge, <laughs> and, it, and it's sort of. You know, we've all had like you know different things happening, and you know, you know, lots of well, we're all getting on. So there's lots of things, that, you know, parent problems, deaths of parents, and yes. you know, family crises and children, and there's so much has happened, and, and you know, and we're all terribly grown up. I know. <laughs> well, it's true, you know, because with the passing of time, there is one's parents watching them grow old which is quite humbling and then one's own health 
which is you know and then the, and then the news which is generally quite you know looking back now it, it was it was quite breezy but you know in the last five years it's been like hmm it's got it's getting it's getting <laughs> more interesting um and completely, completely new territory isn't it so we're, we're all sort of like you know sort of going god you know what happened 20 years ago or 30 years when we fell out it's like i don't care anymore it's just not winter you know what i mean it's like i can't be bothered it's really not that important you know we've got brexit trump and now the black death you know give me a break well it's just i know i mean you know we're trying to be grown up we just want to go to bed and cry yes i know <laughs> or go in the garden and just go to sleep yeah i mean it's a funny yeah. number isn't it so so right there so just lastly i just wonder what you would say to a an 18 year old self you know somebody could have just whispered one thing in your you know to you as you were walking out on stage oh. you know what you'd have thought god that is one thing over the years i've i've thought yeah that that would have yeah just been a good thing what oh gosh i i think i think it would be something like just just don't don't be so hard on yourself i think i think it would be something like that because i think that was that's such a it's a, such a difficult thing to deal with you know especially when things are harsh out there you know harsh out in the world and you don't need yourself you know yourself to, to yourselves or yourself to be yes. um even more critical than 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 needs be you know and 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 just keep yeah just keep going um it, it, it you know it's actually nothing's nothing's that important yes. it doesn't matter you know well, I think it was what, enjoy yourself. Yeah, I think that's what uh, Brian Eno said to David Bowie when they were working together in the late seventies mm. on that trilogy. He said, "You know, this isn't. No one's going to die. What we? <laughs> no one's going to die from this. Hopefully, um, but you know what? Yes, <laughs> the general point is that you know it's really we're not about to have surgery or we're not about to do something that is going to put anyone's life particularly at risk. So we can experiment, and I think that kind of." Is a good thing to remember mm. that you know it's you know have a go do it and then afterwards think okay I'm glad I done it but I'm not doing it again or actually that was brilliant I will do it again but even more but with an orchestra I don't know so um it's yeah. it's good to yeah. it's good to sort of, sort of to loosen up I guess isn't it yes and I and I I think yes it's 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 a thing about like you realise that you can... I mean, we really enjoyed it at first and then you start to feel pressures and think you, th thinking you need to change or and, and then you don't want to change and it's just sort of... Yeah, you you feel... You put pre start to put pressure on yourself and, and then other people, um, you don't know if you should trust that person and it all gets terribly involved, blah, blah, blah. And you just really want to just... You, you do do your best when you're you're like enjoying yourself and 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 yeah to feel free to to just be sort of creative and and it's quite good to have deadlines and uh, and sort of some sort of limits you know sort of like okay drums bass guitar sort of thing so you don't go sort of like completely awol in your creativity yes. but um it's sort of it, it's just it's 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 it can be such fun i mean being creative is just the best thing in the world yes. you know it's it's just the greatest and if and if and if you're too hard on yourself you just ruin it <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. it's always tricky so, isn't it? it's that thing of just um you know 
I suppose it's being able to say, oh, um, let's just move on and let's go again. But it's, you know, but I'm, you know, I can look at back at myself, my younger self and think, yes, I, I exactly know what you mean, because, you know, you, I suppose the other thing is one's often a little bit critical about people around and then you realise it's sort of you, you've also, what does that say about oneself? about how you, you know, oh, you, yeah. you know that, that terrible moment, that realisation. That oh, yes, that's, that's true, actually. You know, I'm sort of, yes, it, it's kind of, yeah, what does that say about yourself? If you're sort of always negative about other people, you're sort of, you know, you're a negative person, aren't you? So you need to focus on yourself and, um, yes, move on. Well, yeah. that was rife in the, in the, you know, like in the, in the late 70s and early 80s. I mean, you know, people were just negative about everybody, I mean, really, it was shockingly sort of yes. Well, it's brutal in, and well, it's so ordinary, you know. I know, and I often look back and think, you know, that that sort of, you know, when when there's a bit of that kind of people getting carried away about the past, and you know, like, oh, isn't it amazing? It's like, no, 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 we moaned. You know, we moaned all the time. You know, we were part of that lefty movement, the Red Wedge, you know, SWP, you know, drink, you know, TVP world, drinking barley cup, you know, being very angsty. And we just moaned about it. It was all ter terrible. And it was better back in the 60s that, you know, we weren't even, well, I was born in the 60s. But it was like, it was, you know, yeah. we, we, we weren't jumping around, skipping and saying, this is marvellous. We, we, you know, we moaned about Thatcher every day. We sort of, there was the miners' strike, there had been the Falklands, you know, there's the high unemployment, mm. you know. And, and a lot of the time people say, oh, the music's rubbish. Now everyone looks back, oh, the music's marvellous, you're thinking. <laughs> I, I must admit, the main, the, the charts, the main, the, the top 20 or top 40 charts, because they had that Trevor Horn production sound, which I must admit still sounds awful today. But oh, to me it does, yeah. It's just all, you know, I think they kind of try and re-record some of those stuff um albums and try and take out that drum sound but but the indie stuff you know does sound actually surprisingly good you know and it's like actually there was some there was some you know real gems in there you know and john peel was the person who championed it and it, it was incredible really his his kind of ability to sort of pick bands that were good you know so um, yeah yeah you know um do you know that book was seen in between Yes, Sam Neill, mm. yes, the great, yes. <gasps> that's amazing. Yes, yes, no, that, that's wonderful, because um, um, I, I, you, what you were speaking about just sort of um, just reminded me, because he he sort of joined forces with uh, my partner, Paul, um, but they're, they're, they're sort of working on a, a film with uh, um, Stephen Pastel as well, um, <gasps> that, uh, about sort of like the Scottish sort of indie scene and, and, and connected things, you know. So yes. um, I, I, I reckon they'll probably call it a scene in between anyway. Sort of keep your eyes open for that. I will. I mean, because uh, um, I've, well, like, <laughs> I've got three or four of his books and I've just got a new one, mm. which isn't new, new, but, you know, it's going to need mm. to be about sort of all the different youth movements and, you know, he's got all the fashion for each one, but he's really broken it down, you know, like, you know, mm. there'd be one for the shoegaze and one for the smiths, one for, you know, the yeah. you know, and, and so his, his, de his detail is quite extraordinary and uh, he must be a lot of fun to work with, I have to say, because, uh, but Steve Pastel, Stephen Pastel, yes, the Scottish indie scene, yes, it's a good one. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, but, because, uh, you know, I've, I've come, to, like, like I was saying, I've come to all this very late, um, so now I'm appreciating sort of like the people I'm meeting people who are in, in sort of 
bands, uh, you know, from that time. So I've got to know Stephen Pastel and, and Katrina from Pastels and, and Sam Nee and, and the, um, yeah, Douglas from the Jesus and Mary Chain, who, you know, who was originally in that sort of uh, oh, the BM, lineup. The BMX Bandits guy, is that Douglas? Um, no, I think it's another Douglas. Another Douglas. Um, I don't know who that is, but there's just sort of people I've met, I guess, through knowing St Etienne and, and then Heavenly Records, and it all sort of like radiates, so much of it radiates back to that sort of scene, you yes. know. People are doing completely different jobs now, or writing books and stuff, but, you know, sort of, I'm, I'm sort of beginning, you know, I've... I've got an appreciation of those times now. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, I suppose, you know, just, it's quite interesting because I was really obsessed with it and, you know, was always recording mm. John Peel on my TDK D90 cassette. And then, you know, mm. I have to say, you know, after a while thinking, actually, I'd like to listen to other music. And it's kind of, you know, I haven't completely ignored it, but I've sort of started to sort of listen to it a bit more recently. And actually, a lot of the bands I didn't listen to the first time, mainly because it was always difficult to get to hear certain bands because you had to either buy the album which was like 3.99 which was quite a lot of money or you just missed yeah. it you know you think I've, I've got enough so I've gone back to that period and listened to a lot of music that I didn't get the first time and thought actually this is quite a good band or, or actually this is quite a good band I didn't like them because of the way they dressed <laughs> <laughs> um, which was really childish to admit but uh, it was also true you know there's a lot of those goth bands I thought oh no I don't like not that into goth thank you very much and then oh actually mm. they're, they're okay and also you know I've interviewed a lot and it's gone you're really nice people aren't you so um, I will now listen to your records after 30 years. And, um, <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. I have grown up. So, yes, it's all good stuff. But look, I look forward to that film, I have to say. But look, well, thank you ever so much for giving me the time for this. And, uh, yes, and I'll, and I'll send you a link uh, when I do it and put it out. And, uh, and I'll, I'll send you, yes, I'll send you the link to the other show interviews I've done. Because, yeah. um, because uh, yes, yourself, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't, um, yeah. You or your partner might love to listen to them because, frankly, I've I've interviewed a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, oh, brilliant. Where do you work from then? So this is Future Radio. So I do it on yeah. Future Radio, and then you know because of you know my enthusiasm for sort of is also about archiving. So I've been kind mm. of madly and keenly interviewing and doing these. Um, to build a sort of archive, which didn't, it wasn't the original purpose, I have to say. Mm. But then I realised that it's become a little bit kind of, yes. I, and the other thing is, I didn't realise there were quite so many bands from that period. I don't know how many I thought there were, but I didn't realise there were quite so many. There are literally hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> and you think, oh, blimey. And then you start feeling like, oh, yes, there's that band and there's this band. And then, you know, and the Scottish scene is extraordinary. I mean, I did an interview mm. with a, a member of the Soup Dragons at the weekend, not the lead singer, but the, uh, the guitarist. Yeah. And it's like, and you're thinking, God, yes, there was, you know, the Orchids, the Jasmine Minks, the Vaselines, as well as all the others. Yes, it was a lot. They were, they were busy, yeah. there, weren't they? But it's, uh, it's Stephen Pastel and the, uh, yeah, legend, isn't he? Yes. No, definitely, definitely. If he, if, uh, he, if they get to ever speak to Alan Horn, who did that record label with Orange, the guy from Orange Juice, that'd be very yes. nice. Because I think he's disappeared, but he must be living somewhere. I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, he. Um, I I haven't heard whether they've spoken to him or not. So yes. yeah, I don't know if he knows him, but uh, yeah, nice. interesting. Yeah, postcard. anyway. 
brilliant. Yes, postcards. Oh, sorry, because I, yeah. I kept thinking I knew it wasn't fifty third and third records, but I couldn't remember postcard records. Yes, it's good. Well, look, thank you ever so much, and yeah, I really appreciate all your time. By the way, this has been amazing. Oh. No, that's fine. I mean, I'm just so sorry it's taken so long. It's just been, you know, it's just been a bit disastrous this year. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but um, it's very nice to speak to you. And I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I just sort of woke up in the, you know, complete sort of, what, what? Shame on me. No, that's fine. Look, have a lovely evening and uh, take care. And, uh, yes, enjoy enjoy your home for the next three weeks. Oh, yeah, and you. <laughs> OK, you take care too, and I look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, stay safe. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.